Welcome to Locked On Warriors. On today's episode, I'll be joined by Jonathan Charks from The Ringer to talk about how the Warriors could go about developing their young players while also chasing a championship. It's all coming up next. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, it is a Thursday edition of Locked On Warriors, the only podcast bringing you the latest on the Warriors every day, Monday through Friday. I'm Wes Goldberg. However you may be listening, YouTube, Odyssey, or on your favorite podcast app, thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. I am here now with the Ringer's Jonathan Charks, who recently wrote an interesting article about how the Warriors are trying to balance uh, developing a trio of lottery picks over the last couple of years with winning at a championship level. The headline of that story is the rookie curve. Can the Warriors develop and win? Highly encourage uh, Warriors fans to go check that out. But uh, let's go back first, John, uh, to, to the offseason. What did you think the Warriors uh, were going to do? What did you think that they should do versus what they actually did? I kind of figured they would add a bunch of veterans. Obviously, there's not a lot of cap space or anything. So they'd be shopping around, trying to grab bargains best they could. That made sense. And I'm not surprised they drafted Kaminga, but I kind of feel like that was the wrong move given where they are. Yeah. I remember you and I texting before the draft and you you were a big Wagner guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just feel like Wagner to me, and I kind of get into it in this piece. I just feel like you have to draft guys to fit Steve Kerr's system because if they don't fit his system, it's just, especially given the constraints of you have this team is trying to win. I just, I just feel like eventually it just doesn't work. If they don't, if these rookies don't fit Curry's system, then you can't play them. And if you can't play them, then what's the point? Like they're not going to develop on the bench. They have to get minutes, but if they're getting minutes and they can't fit the team, the team's getting hurt. And I think you saw last year, like, mm-hmm. I don't think the Warriors make the playoffs if Wiseman stays healthy. I and mean, I don't think that's a crazy thing to say at all, given the splits. Yeah, I mean, not at all. I mean, they made that big push in part because they didn't have to worry about trying to fold Wiseman into this thing. And you made the really interesting point in your article, and not really something that I thought about, but saying how like Kaminga and James Wiseman going into his second year, their roles sort of overlap now based on their skill sets. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, basically, if you have Kaminga and he's not a great shooter at this stage in his career, so he really has a hard time playing off the ball. It's like, how do I best maximize this guy? Well, if he can't play off the ball, but he's probably not advanced enough as a playmaker to play on the ball, well, what's left is using him as a role man, letting him use his athletic ability to get to the basket, right? Like four on three plays, catching lobs at the rim, having a lot of energy, using his physical tools. I mean, he's as big as any of the small ball fives they have. So to me, that would be the quickest path for him to get on the floor is at that role man position. Though Golden State doesn't use that a ton in their offense. But obviously, that spot's already filled by Wiseman. I kept kind of talking about Jonathan Kaminga, and Warriors fans hate to hear this, and they let me know about it. But uh, just like bigger Eric Paschal is kind of the role that I see him playing, where maybe you throw him at the four in weird lineups. Maybe you just play him as sort of a quote-unquote small ball five. but just like Pascal, you don't rely on him for outside shooting. Just like Pascal, you're not really relying on him for defense, but you kind of just like, oh, you're super big and strong. Like maybe you can like 
hold your own in the low post or something. And uh, ultimately, it was a struggle to find a place for Eric Pascal, and they traded him to Utah. Uh, I'm not saying that they're going to do that with Kaminga. I just think like, you know, and obviously Kaminga is way more talented than Eric Pascal is from a skills perspective. But as of right now, like him as a rookie, I just don't really know where you put him. And Honestly, the same kind of goes for James Wiseman. Like, I know that he's the second overall pick. I know he's going into his second year. I know you he was the starter on opening night last season. But you look at what the Warriors have done in the preseason. Obviously, Wiseman has been out with the MCL thing. But um, Kevon Looney has more than earned that starting job. Nemanja Bielitsa has done a nice job as your, as, as your second big. Like, I don't even know that James Wiseman has a night-to-night role, like a regular role. Uh, what do you think they do with these guys? That's, I think, is what makes it so fascinating. It's because, like, right now it's all fun and it's all like we can do everything. Like, they're kind of, we can develop these guys and we're trying to win right now. But when like push comes to shove, is how, what, I think what is more important? Where do you, where does the line really get drawn? I really have no idea because it's just, neither thing seem, I think with Kaminga this year, if he doesn't play a ton, it's not going to be a huge deal. Right. You just put him in the G League and it's like, okay get him back in year two under Kerr's system, hopefully he's figured something out. But with Wiseman specifically, it's hard to know, like, what's really going to happen if they're winning games without him. That's the part that's tough, too, is, like, he's coming off a serious knee injury. When he supposed to come back and play? Do they have a timeline for that yet? No, they don't have, like, a specific one, but everybody thinks, like, the first couple weeks of the season. So that, that's just even tough, too, of, like, He's coming back from a serious knee injury, so it's going to take him a while to get back into a rhythm. And so he couldn't work on his game this offseason. So it's kind of like a perfect storm of stuff. And if they're winning without him, are they really going to bring him back if the rotation's right. already clicking? I don't, I don't think they would, but they can't not play him either. I don't know what they're going to do. It's right. fascinating. I really don't know. And that's why a lot of fans are like, well, just send him to the G League. Just put him in the G League. And it's like, they're not going to do that. Uh, there's no point in a guy like Jonathan Kaminga or even James Wiseman going in the G League and just being like, all right, here's 20 shots a game. Kaminga could do what you, you could do what you did in summer league. You could turn the ball over six times and it's not going to matter. And you're going to have the ball in your hands all the time. Like this isn't like a, a like it's not like Steph and Draymond and Claire like placeholder quarterbacks. And then you're just going to start Patrick Mahomes the next year, right? Like they're going to be yeah. there for five years or ish you know it's like if Kaminga is ever going to be anything in the NBA if Wiseman's ever going to be anything in the NBA the first kind of phase of their career is going to involve them coexisting with Steph and Draymond and Clay. and I, I didn't see anything from Wiseman last year that lends me to believe that he can do that I'm not saying he can't but that he'll be able to do it right away and then with Kaminga it's sort of the like you don't send him to the G League and be like here here's 20 shots because it's not going to teach him how to play it with those other guys with lower usage um, fewer shots how to impact the game without the ball in your hands like I'm with you, man. I just don't know how they do it. I really don't. Um, Steve Kerr said that the rookies, and I kind of lump James Wiseman in when he says the rookies because, you know, he's by all intents and purposes still a rookie. Um, that development is going to come in, like in practices, scrimmages, film work, and stuff like that. And, and, then he'll, and then he basically said, and we'll see if we'll get them playing time, which I found extremely interesting. Can, do you think you could develop just like in practice and film? That's something like, coaches say and when i yeah. when i first got into like card covering team, the league i thought oh that makes sense you practice but then you realize like as you cover the league like nba teams don't practice very much especially during the season right they're playing four games a week usually three games a week and they're traveling half the time anyways 
there's just not a ton of practice. Once you get out of training camp in the first weeks of the season, there's not a ton of practice time. Yeah. That's the part that's really tough is, and I, I think on top of that, I'm a big believer in you, you develop on the court. I don't really think it isn't like, that's the whole, like the Patrick Mahomes thing. I don't really believe in that in basketball. Like, are you just going to watch for a year and learn? You got to be on the court. You got to learn from your mistakes. You got to be able to play through your mistakes. And it's just tough. Like, it's tough for any rookie to break in on a elite team, right? Like you see it in the Warriors the last five years when they were good. It was always tough to bring in a rookie because they're going to make mistakes. They're going to have to play through them, but you can't afford the margin of error is so small when you're in championship mode, right? The margin of right. error is tiny. Like one rotation spot can make a huge difference. Right. Like you saw it last year with Wiseman. He was playing what 15 minutes a night and he was still hurting the team. And then you throw on top of that, like, that's why I got to talk about the system. Not only is that hard in and of itself because of, you know, the expectations and the role, but then you have a very, very complicated system that demands such precision from its players. It's the exact opposite of uh, what a young guy usually is best successful in, right? Usually they're better in smaller, simpler roles, play off the ball, roll to the basket, but you're asking these guys to make high pressure reads constantly, right. right? Like James Wiseman growing up, it was give me the ball. I'm going to go dunk on it. Like it was not like, let's play in the high post and thread passes through needles. Right. It doesn't even make sense. It just doesn't make sense for what he does. I had, it's funny. I had on the article. I was like, it'd be like drafting four, three guys for a three, four defense. And then I realized nobody in the NFL plays those defenses anymore. So I don't even know the NFL equivalent. <laughs> Everyone's always in nickel and dime, I guess, now, right? Right. All right, NBA fans, let's talk about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Prize picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, offering more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator. You can pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10x on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Another thing you could do is... PrizePix allows uh, mixed sports entries. So, for example, you could take uh, the over on LeBron combined points with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Entries could be made in 60 seconds or less. It's very easy. It's so simple. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. You can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. And when you make your deposit, make sure you use the promo code NBA to receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's with the promo code NBA. Um, no, you're absolutely right. It's it just weird. It, it, that to me is the disconnect, right? Is they drafted James Wiseman knowing that he couldn't pass. I mean, he showed no signs at Memphis of being like, hey, I'm like a passing big man. Like no signs of that at all. And that was the knock on him, right? Like that wasn't like a secret. Um, yeah. And then they drafted him anyway. And they tried to force him into playmaking and reading defenses and all this stuff. And for Wiseman to succeed in the NBA, he's going to have to be a rim rolling big first and foremost. And Kaminga, like I, I look, I think he's got all the talent in the world. I think that there's like body control stuff that is really impressive that you just can't teach and has all the makings. I mean, you wrote it in your articles, like a blue chip player, right? Like it is the makings of an apex type of wing, which is what all NBA teams want to build around these days. But I just, I don't know how you marry what it is that the Warriors have done and like to do and prefer to do under Steve Kerr with what Wiseman and Kaminga do. And there's such heavy investments in those guys and specifically by this ownership group 
and Joe Lacob specifically saying, basically saying like, this is the bridge to the future. Like Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, like, I'm not saying that their jobs are in jeopardy, but like, they're kind of going to be measured at least by Joe Lacob on how they develop these guys. Because that's what Joe Lacob cares about is selling tickets 10 years from now. I think that's what he cares about most more than anything. It's strange. It's, it, it definitely feels like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. hundred percent. Right. It's like, yeah. we want to do this and this. But then it's like, well, you can't do both at the same time. And then it's like, well, no, you want to do this and this. Right. And it's like this constant conflict. And it is tough, right? Because like, especially with Kamingo, okay, he's the highest upside guy on the board, sure. But you're not drafting in a vacuum. You have to draft him for a role. You have to f- build a system that's going to make use of his skills. And I feel like that's where NBA teams get in trouble a lot. I feel like the number one reason beyond like poor evaluations and injuries is why guys bust out when they get drafted is they're being asked to be something they're not mm-hmm. right. Like it's hard enough to get into the NBA and just do what you do. Like that's hard enough to change to high transition from college and high school to the NBA. So it's not only learning that transition and you're being asked to change who you are as a player at the same time. Yeah. That's very, very, very difficult. And I think that's where you get into trouble more often than not. And it just seems like, you can't have both ways. Either I'm gonna div- I'm gonna draft these guys and I'm gonna change my system to fit what they can do, or I'm gonna draft guys who fit the system I want to run. Right. It doesn't feel like you. Can- I think that to me is what it ultimately comes down to is how I don't see how you can do both at the same time. It, it's really well said. Um, I was saying lead up to the draft, like I have nothing against Jonathan Kaminga. I think he could be a really good player in the NBA, but I don't think he'll become that player in Golden State because there's just no avenue for him to to be that. And um, if you want to draft Jonathan Kaminga, if you want to draft James Wiseman because they're raw talent, great. If you think they have superstar potential, awesome. But you have to build your team around them to maximize that potential If if because that potential is inherently in what they do well. And if you're not going to let them do what it is that they do well, then they're worse than these other players that are on the board in your in the context of, of your team, if that made any sense. I think you said that – we basically said the same thing, but you said it way better. Um, no, it made, what you said made perfect sense. And I mean – <laughs> It's weird because I don't want to like – yeah, I don't want to crush these guys because they're obviously really talented. and it, It's not against them. And maybe – I'm curious, like – I remember at some point last year they were saying, oh, we're going to run more pick and roll for Wiseman. How did you feel like that went? Like, did that really happen? Yeah, they were like, we're going to run more pick and roll for Wiseman. And then he came out in the first quarter. They ran a pick and roll for Wiseman. And then they didn't do it again, which was technically more. They, they <laughs> did run more pick and roll for Wiseman. One more. One more. Uh, That's funny. I, I, it just doesn't, to me, I guess with Wiseman, you can run pick and roll with him. I always thought, like, all right, First of all, Kevon Looney has earned that starting job for now. Maybe the second unit could be like a Jordan Poole. I was just going to ask, yeah. Type of like pick and roll thing. But now you're basically, I, I, we we have seen like uh, Lou Williams and Montrose Harrell and stuff like that. But like what they were doing with the Clippers a couple years ago, leading that bench unit, uh, wasn't drastically different than what that starting group was doing. Like Kawhi and Paul George still run a fair amount of pick and roll. Um, like, doing like a straight one, five pick and roll on your bet for your second unit and doing a completely different thing for the starters just doesn't really like you're running two different, you have two different offensive playbooks. Well, what I was going to ask is like, what are Draymond and clay going to do 
Like, are they going to play in the second unit? Do you, have they really said, like, how do you think the rotation's going to go? I think it'll guys? be Steph and Draymond. Their minutes will be tied together for the most part, 90% as they, okay. as they have been. And then I think you'll see Clay and probably Jordan Poole slash Andrew Wiggins kind of running that second unit. Like, what we know about Steve, Steve Kerr is he'll always keep two of his best four players on the court at all times. Now, I think there's... By the end of the season, there could be a legit argument about who are their four best players, like depending on what it is that Clay looks like when he comes back and how good Jordan Poole looks like compared to Andrew Wiggins and if Wiggins regresses. And I guess stuff. Clay is the question. Like, what's Clay's role going to be early when he comes yeah. back, do you think? Uh, uh, limited minutes, but he'll be, he'll be a catch and shoot. I think he'll be a catch and shoot guy all season long offensively, which I like Clay could fit anywhere. Like, if you want to run just straight one five pick and roll on the, on the second unit and just have. Clay parked in like above the wing or in the corner or something like that, then he'll space the floor just because he's Clay, even if he doesn't even make a yeah. shot. But um, again, but I, I think just, he'd want to get his timing back. He'd want to get, you know, run around and get it. I would think, right. He wouldn't just want to stand. You want to get moving again, probably. Yeah. No, of course. And he's going to play with the starters yeah. as much as possible. Like they're going to do that. Um, okay. So that would make sense. Then if they like tie Clay, Draymond and Steph together. Yeah. Then maybe if all three of those guys were the starting unit, and then maybe you have Wiseman, Poole, Wiggins as your bench. Yeah, but then you, yeah, I think that's probably your bench, maybe. But I still think the way that Bielitsa's played, as long as he stays healthy, like he's better than Wiseman is right now. And the Warriors haven't been to the playoffs in two years. Like you don't get to just, like you said, you're trying to have your cake and eat it too, but you don't really have that luxury. It's not like you're. Uh, Utah and you've been the number one seed in the West like the last three or four years whatever it is and you're just you're a, a regular season juggernaut like true the yeah just could take any minutes of any game for granted and just be like yeah let's try this weird thing with Wiseman when Bielitsa is the superior player right now so yeah who's the second unit right now to start the season it's Otto Porter uh, Bielitsa um, and uh, I, they're, they're, they're trying to figure out this 15th spot between Avery Bradley and Gary Payton uh, but those are really like, those are the two guys. And then, and then you kind of keep Jordan Poole in the game for a little bit. One of these other guys, you know, Andrew Wiggins, I guess Damian Lee, Damian Lee could be a the part ninth of it. guy. Yeah. Damian Lee will be a part of it. I feel like I'm missing somebody and you know, somebody will let me know in the comments, but whatever. Um, huh. that's really it. Like there's, and like I said, that's why I say like, there's not really a, and Bielitz has been really good for them. Like he's a, he's a good playmaker. He's a good shooter. He's a floor spacer. Like, I mean, he fits the system for sure perfectly um and that's the thing with like those vets that they got like Otto Porter they fit the system Wiseman Kaminga don't fit the system Moses Moody does but he's still like a rookie we'll see how much playing time he gets but his game translates more than those other two guys does I I don't know um you have I guess to be fair like the odds are these vets are gonna get hurt at some point right like Looney and these vets are not gonna play 82 games right and so then what do you do with these guys that's that was one of the things I want to ask you like it's Okay, let's say Otto Porter gets hurt because he will. Let's say Bielitsa gets hurt because he will. And Kravon Looney gets hurt because he will. Um, do you shoehorn Wiseman into that role and be like, okay, now keep doing stuff that's out of your comfort zone that you're not good at? Uh, or do you – you because you don't flip the team around, the system around him, because you have superstars. Uh, same thing with, like, ditto with Kaminga. Like, if Wiggins gets hurt or if Porter gets hurt and you need a wing – I guess you could throw Moses Moody in there, but um, if you have to, I think they would. What do you do? You don't ask them to play. They probably would put probably would put Moody in ahead of him. I would think, right? I think so. How is this in the preseason, Moody? 
solid. And then in the last game, he, he got like early minutes against the Lakers and he went like 0 for 7 and then 0 for 3 from three point range and played lousy defense. I mean, that, that figures. He just I mean, he's also playing to make his like threes, right? Davis. So. Yeah, I mean, he just got to make his threes and move the ball, basically. Make his threes, his move role. the ball, try hard on defense. By the way, are you wearing a San Francisco 49ers hat? No, it's the Cowboys. Oh, it looks like a gold logo. Yeah, it's kind of like a goofy hat logo thing, but it's. I'm from Dallas. Dallas. No, no, definitely not. No, your your team, Michael Irvin. (laughs) Um, who's your favorite Dallas Cowboy of all time? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Tony Romo. I mean, we had some great years. He was really fun to watch. I was always a Romo guy. I always felt he got too much grief personally. As soon as he dropped the extra point thingy, it was just it was downhill from him. <laughs> I just remember I don't I remember watching the game when the game ended, and I was just like really shocked. It was more like that just happened. I can't believe that just happened. That was really shocking. <laughs> it's never even nobody. I think Cowboys fans like would actually say the next year it was the 13-3 year. Patrick Creighton drops a pass, but that's a lot in their story. That's not actually. We don't have to talk about football. I'm a, I'm a long-suffering Miami Dolphins fan. At least you've been to the playoffs. Today's episode is brought to you by Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or somebody like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quick and as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or an injury or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design will make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines for you. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. Try Theragun for 60 or for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to Therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's Therabody.com slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. Support for today's show comes from Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has a ton of delicious flavors? There's something for everybody. They have coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. I'm telling you, I always keep a few boxes of these in my refrigerator. I like to get them uh, chilled a little bit. I love the texture. I love the taste with all of that. And it's a perfect snack for me throughout the day, after a workout, when I'm on the go. Uh, I definitely think you should check them out. Not only are the Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but Built Bars are healthy too. Check out these macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. So go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off on your next order. Again, use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Uh, all right. You said uh, in your article, you basically, you ended your article this way. I'm going to just, I'm going to read what you wrote. Uh, sure. Quote, Trying to do two things at once usually means you end up doing neither well, that there's no way for Golden State to run an offense that maximizes its older stars and develops its younger players. The Warriors will have to pick one or the other. So we've basically been talking about that this entire time. But when you say 
have to pick one or the other. Uh, look, they're not going to trade Steph and Draymond. Like, that's not happening. Um, so is this already kind of like DOA? Like this experiment, do you think? If they don't say, you know what, we need to pick our development early on, which we know they're not going to do? Well, I mean, it's tough because I never thought it would work. So nothing's really happened. It's basically all I have stuff I've already thought. You know what I mean? Like yeah. nothing has happened since, I guess Wise Rookie Year was pretty bad, but really nothing has happened that you would say, it's more your priors, right? If you thought it could work, then you would still believe it could work because not much has really happened yet. But I didn't think it would work. So I'm going to still think it's not going to work because nothing much has happened yet, right? So, I mean, obviously it remains to be seen. I mean, I can't, you can't say it's not going to work as a fact, because they have to actually let it play out. I just don't personally believe it will work. And I'm just saying that I'm, I kind of thought that from the beginning and nothing's really changed yet either way, obviously, to make you decide. I wonder what the cost of that would be if it didn't work, right? I mean, obviously you waste a seven, a 14 and a, and a number two. Um, and you're probably bad 10 years from now. Um, I mean, who knows? That's the thing that's so bizarre to me. He's talking about Lake of Wands to win 10 years. 10 years? Like, think about 10 years ago yeah. in the NBA. It was 2011. Yeah. Who plans for 10 years? It doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. How much has the NBA changed in the last 10 years? And How just, many guys can you guys on the same team? Like, five players, probably? Yeah. And I just don't like it's like Nick Collis and Udonis Haslam. Like, those are the only guys. Like, it, it's <laughs> uh, staff, I, I guess, is there yeah. 10 years now. That's right. Is he the longest tenured player on one team besides Haslam at this point? Probably, right? Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that there's also, I think what Joe Lacob is trying to fight against is the Warriors taking a step back when Steph retires or whatever. Uh, I just think you're going to be bad no matter what. Like, that's just how the NBA works. Like, when you lose a superstar, I don't care who you drafted in the lottery. If, when you lose a superstar, the, the Warriors had Steph and Draymond, and they still took a step back when Kevin Durant left. Like, when you lose a superstar, you just take a really major step back. The way that teams are built around single players and all that stuff, like, it just takes a while to bounce back. I just, I feel like it's just being a little, like, a little too ideological, a little too, like, I, I just don't think it's going to work. I, I, so I'm, I'm more with you. I guess we can end the show on a positive note, or at least try. Give me a reason why it will work. Um, the reason why it will work. I think you, you have to think, okay, these young guys, they're learning the system. They're going to start in on a really, really small role. And like they can build good habits early on because they're not being depended on. So, okay, if they're not making more defensive rotations, we'll pull them and it'll be okay. If we have Steph and Draymond and Clay, we don't necessarily have to have a top three, two, three seed to make a run in the playoffs. So it isn't like we can be the five, six, seven seed and think we have a chance in the playoffs. So if we like take 5% back without these young guys, it'll be okay. They'll slowly grow into bigger roles. Year three, year four, they'll really hit their own. They'll have learned how to play in Kerr's system. And then theoretically, because these guys are they're already so physically talented, the biggest thing they were missing was feel for the game for both of them. So if they do learn that on top of their physical tools, then maybe year four, year five, year six, they're really coming into their own. 
it's just like that initial period, that initial launch point. That's the mm-hmm. toughest thing. You get over that. If you can just get these guys into small roles where they're not killing your team and you're like, okay, just playing even with them. If you can just figure out a way to do that, then everything else can start rolling downhill. But the hardest part is the first part, I think. So if in six months, if Wiseman's playing 15 minutes a night and doing okay at it, and coming in a year or two, coming is doing the same thing, you're feeling pretty good. It's just that initial, get over that initial hur- hurdle, I think, then it becomes a lot easier once you get past that. Well, they can do it or not, we'll see. I love it. I love it. We'll end it there. Um, Jonathan Sharks, one of my favorite NBA writers. Uh, if people aren't reading you already at the ringer, they should be. Uh, I just love the way that you think about the game. I love the way that you're always kind of looking forward as to what's next, like you did with this piece and a lot of your pieces too. Um, you have a really good feel for the game. Uh, Thanks. I appreciate that. Who's your, who's your league pass team this year? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I was going to say the Hornets, but they lost by 70 points last night. <laughs> So hopefully, hopefully that doesn't mean bad things for their season, but I'm very, very intrigued. I mean, I think they are my league pass team last year. They were so much fun to watch. I think all the young guys will get better. LaMelo in year two. I'm excited to see Oubre. In a, I think Oubre is an example of a guy who didn't fit into Steve Kerr's system, right. but I believe has is a good NBA player other places. So I think I'm excited for them. Hopefully that game last night was not an indication of what's, what's ahead for them. Borrego might be the most underrated coach in the league. I don't even think it's might be. I think he just is at this point. Uh, yeah, well, he's, he was playing with house money as first. We'll see how it is now, though. Now there's actually pressure on him, so we'll see how it goes. That's a good point. Um, all right, that'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Warriors on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Comment, leave a five-star rating. Uh, also, if you leave a five-star review and a question in it, that is the only way to guarantee that your question is answered in this week's mailbag so definitely go do that oh um, nice that's a good way to get your five-star reviews that's smart i like you would that. think but still people comment like just three like three stars like west sucks and i'm like <laughs> you're not doing this right so uh and they still ask the question that's great <laughs> right west sucks but what do you think about jordan Poole's ceiling and i'd be like that's not good um all right so don't do that people reach me at wc goldberg uh again jonathan sharks over at the ringer doing great work over there Man, this is good fun. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it.